Good evening. I'm Frank Kaufman, president of the Settlement Project. I'm going to be speaking on the first nine days of the quote-unquote Biden administration. President Trump left the White House and President Biden was inaugurated as president of the United States. So although it never feels comfortable for me to refer to President Biden as president due to my belief that the Democrat machine prevented a sound and serious investigation into voter fraud. Nevertheless, this is my plight or my lot. So I'll have to gradually acclimatize myself to using the term President Biden. Another interesting thing that happened this week, in addition to the inauguration of President Biden, was the establishment of the office of the former president in Mar-a-Lago, Florida. And uh, it seems to me that the United States is now a country with two capitals, one in Washington, D.C., which is seems to be fairly chaotic and disordered, and what I would call a new capital in Mar-a-Lago with former President Trump setting up office to work with the 80 million voters and his Republican defenders. I was impressed with his willingness and ability to bury the hatchet with Kevin McCarthy of California, who jumped on the bandwagon in, to me, really disgraceful manner, joining those who accused President Trump of inciting what they call an insurrection in the Capitol. All serious inquiry into this matter doesn't tie President Trump in any way whatsoever to what happened in the Capitol. The beginning of the breach happened before President Trump even began, even uh, arrived at the uh, ellipse to offer his speech. Law enforcement from several cities, including New York City and Washington, D.C., knew of plans to storm the Capitol many days prior to anything President Trump did on the 6th of January. And despite the constant efforts at censorship and obfuscation and blocking of information, it becomes ever more clear that much of what happened in the Capitol not only included a, an irresponsible contingent of Trump supporters, but furthermore involved the instigation of far-left agitators engaging in what everyone has known since the writing of the Communist Manifesto, agitprop. Um, a lot of video has been analyzed of Antifa plants in the Capitol organizing a very well-designed effort to cause the type of discord in the Capitol that happened. So it's nothing could have been more unfortunate than the storming of the Capitol by Trump supporters to the extent that it was them. But there, there was plenty of opportunity to prevent that. The mayor of D.C. and the leaders of both the House and Senate were given fair warning of the possibility, and they both refused sufficient security or National Guard to prevent that. There's a lot of questions involving the uh, assault on the 
capital. But the idea that Trump incited an insurrection is is patently false. Any thinking person knows that. I was speaking to a friend in Europe two days ago who spoke to me unequivocally of Trump's horrible, criminal, impeachable offense of inciting a riot or inciting an insurrection in the capital of the United States. And I asked that my friend who's an avid, an avid consumer of news. And European news is fairly, it's non-sensationalistic, but its bias is extreme, honestly speaking. As I've said before, I spend a lot of time there. And uh, I asked him, have you ever heard anybody on any news uh, medium mention that during his speech, President Trump told his followers to, as they go to the Capitol, to please go peacefully and patriotically. And has he ever heard that soon after the terrible events at the Capitol were made known to the president, he came on the air and instantly told his people, we respect law enforcement. There is never any legitimate use of violence in public gatherings and to go home. He just told us, he told a million people go home, go in peace. And uh, of course, my European friend had never heard any such thing. And so there's all of Europe, all of Europe, France, Germany, uh, sure that President Trump is some sort of wild-eyed purveyor of insurrection, when the fact of the matter is that President Trump was hoping for and counting on uh, Vice President Pence to send the electors uh, back at which was the request of Republican electors from many states. And the very last thing he would have needed, and he, he also had uh, Republican senators who had committed themselves publicly to stay with him and to uh, vote this through and to send the electors uh, back to the states for counting. This is primarily because the election result has never been investigated for the evidence. It's just been refused on standing, and it's been refused primarily by Democrat elected judges, elected judges. This is something really important for listeners to know, that the when you hear this long string of every court rejected, uh, have, has taken into account the evidence and has rejected the claims, this is patently not true. These are Democrat-elected judges in the areas where um, irregularities were presented before the court, and they just refused to hear them. They plainly refused to hear them. Democrats also point to even the director of, uh, what is it, uh, uh, DOJ, that what the Department of Justice said there was no irregularity. That claim from the, uh, William Barr came out long, long before hearing after hearing after hearing with uh, hundreds of sworn affidavits of uh, direct eyewitness irregularities and violations of constitutional law and practice were presented in public hearings. And so the bar bar utterance, the DOJ has found no evidence of of, uh, election irregularity. It, It was never, this was uttered long before even the the witnesses came forward and came forward in a huge number. And then uh, professional statisticians, analysts have pointed out that the vote count 
and the spikes that happened in the dead of night after the election in swing states and and in uh, particular counties who just stopped uh, stopped the count and then a few hours later after polling places were closed hundreds of thousands of Biden votes uh, were uh, suddenly surged in spikes that were defined by some highly reputable statisticians as odds of of a quadrillion to one and in certain cases times four. So so President Trump uh, simply wanted a fair count. He wanted his vice president to send the electors back to the states uh, on January 6th. And um, Vice President Pence had the opportunity to do that, chose not to do it, but was fair and wanted to allow the process to proceed. The storming of the Capitol was contrary to the president's hopes for the political process to play out and for the Congress to do its job vis-a-vis the submission and counting of the electoral votes. A number of Republican senators had already indicated that they were willing to uh, go through the process to prevent the count, which literally millions of people plainly and flatly believe are fraudulent, including a significant number of Democrats believe were fraudulent. So the idea of storming the Capitol with violent protesters that that President Trump would actually be behind such a thing is, is simply and plainly and utterly contrary to what makes sense for the process that he had the backing for, that he was hoping to see, and the interruption of the, of Congress doing its job was the exact opposite of what the president hoped to do. So I was about to, in this podcast, uh, speak about, about the first week of the Biden presidency, but instead went back to defending the president from the accusation which led to this inane, utterly inane, eight-hour impeachment in the House under Nancy Pelosi, who, um, (laughs) eight hours, no witnesses, (laughs) Um, a, a real travesty, a genuine travesty, a genuine assault on the constitutional process. And now it's going to the Senate. It looks like uh, it looks like it's dead in the water. Uh, Senator Rand Paul gave a very eloquent and clear account about how this uh, how this process and procedure violates the U.S. Constitution in extreme ways and in tragic ways. So let me leave it there. Up to the presentation of the impeachment by the House members to the senators and the. Uh, floor speech by Senator Rand Paul indicating in simple terms, not only the hypocrisy. The hi- hypocrisy is a given. The hypocrisy is simply a given. I, I am determined not to dedicate any time, uh, any podcast time to pointing out hypocrisy on the left. I, I think it's a waste of time. And it's an idle complaint. Of course, of course, the left is absolutely hypocritic, uh, hypocritical uh constantly and incessantly. So uh, Rand Paul pointed out the hypocrisy of it attempting to impeach President Trump while a, an act of, uh, an act of uh, violence happened in the Capitol that had been planned for days and that Washington law enforcement had been advised for days and days ahead. And so Senator Paul 
not only pointed out the hypocrisy, but uh, pointed out the unconstitutionality of the of the uh, process. Chief Justice Roberts, who's really turned out to be no friend of the Trump administration at all, quite honestly, uh, and never even was willing to hear cases presented to the Supreme Court during the efforts to right the wrongs of the election process and to consider the unconstitutionality of a number of of the processes in the states. Uh, so, but he won't even go to the Senate. There's, it's just an unconstitutional matter. At the end of the day, 45 Republican senators out of 50 voted together with Paul, calling the process unconstitutional. So we'll see how that goes. But in the next part of this of this uh, podcast, I'll move on to examine the work of uh, President Biden in his first week. But thanks for listening to this so far. Thank you.